Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Good luck with the most beautiful game. Do us proud. Red alert! They're up and running again. So smooth, so sweet, splendid, succinct, just glorious execution. Guys, all I'm looking for is 60% effort or 1,000% of the time. How sharp was that? Sharp of mind and body. And that's why you see those beautiful tears. Look at his movements. The most dangerous man on the planet. Nobody picks him up. What a goal! Sensational! I swear you'll never see anything like this ever again. The world is left to wonder. Wide-eyed, thrilled, bemused. How on earth did that happen? Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Wonder Goal, the soccer betting podcast from the Action Network. My name is Michael Leboff, and joining me, as always, are my friends and colleagues, BJ Cunningham and Anthony DeBundo. And today is a special episode. We'll be talking about some World Cup qualifiers coming your way this week, including USA and Mexico. And that's where we're going to start. Estadio Azteca, Mexico is minus 110 at home, hosting the United States. They're plus 285. The draw here is plus 245. The CONCACAF standings are as followed. Canada's at the top at 25 points there, all but assured a spot in uh, Qatar 2022. The USA in second, but they're tied with Mexico just ahead on goal differential at 21 points. Panama at 17 in fourth place. That fourth place spot would be in a playoff. And then Costa Rica's in fifth place in 16 points. All the other teams are eliminated. So big week coming up uh, for the United States where they're playing Mexico, Panama, and Costa Rica. The three teams directly behind them, you could say that they're in a, in a terrific spot, very, very likely to advance. However, a loss against Mexico and the pressure will mount, especially considering what happened before Russia 2018 when they didn't qualify. So I'll bring you two in now to talk about this game because we're on different sides. Anthony, let's start with you. You're going to be wearing the black hat here talking about Mexico. Why do you like them? Minus 110. You know, I feel un-American almost in this, in this spot here. Uh, it's like, you know, I think the U S has been relatively overvalued throughout most of qualifying. When you go back and look through some of the games, I know BJ uh, had Canada in the last match they played uh, up North. Uh, and generally speaking, this defense has relied a lot on Matt Turner's shot stopping to cover up for what's been generally overrated performances. Or they've conceded more than I think you'd expect them to concede given what they've, you know, who they've played against. 
and their expected goals against numbers have not been as impressive as their actual goals against. And again, a lot of that is Matt Turner, who is awesome, but is not going to play in this match. And I think that's a big loss for the, the Usman uh, in this game. And I think when you can compound that with the other injuries that they have, Sergio Dest is going to miss Weston McKenney, who I think is their best midfielder is out. And then we just learned that it looks like Brendan Aronson is also going to miss. And I'd argue he's been their best player in world cup qualifying all around, uh, except maybe Turner best outfield player, at least. Uh, and the U S they match up relatively well with Mexico because of their talent personnel. They are built to play on the counter. They're built with guys who can run with the ball at their feet. Pulisic, Reina, generally Aronson, good on counter in, in direct counterattacking styles. And we saw that kind of last summer in the CONCACAF Nations League in the final when, yes, Mexico was the better side for large portions of it. Game was in Denver, but the U.S. was dangerous on the counter. I think they can do that again, but I think this Mexico team at home uh, has significant edges. One, games at altitude, which I think, and it's in Mexico, uh, which, of course, is priced in to the market, but not sure how much it is priced in relatively when you consider that the U.S. should, if they were smart, be more focused on this Panama game. And I think we might see some more rotation than normal beyond just the guys who were injured from Burhalter here playing a little bit of game theory, realizing if the U S just beats Panama, they're in. So I'm not sure what we're going to get here. Mexico is still the number one team in expected goals for in CONCACAF uh, in this qualifying stretch. And I still think that even if you go back to the win the U S had in the first game back in uh, the fall, a lot of those, early chances Mexico had could have gone a lot differently. And I was on the U S in that game and I thought they were pretty undervalued, but now I think Mexico's going to get their revenge here and win this one at home. This is going to set up in a, uh, you know, classic betting split, right? Where sports books that we're betting at and people listening to the show are betting at are are U S based sports books. And they're going to be welcoming money on the, uh, the U S M and T here. And so I don't really think we'll see much of a drift on Mexico, but I do think that, you know, quote unquote, sharp money will be on um, Mexico at, at Azteca, a place where historically they are uh, dominant. However, um, I don't think there's much of an edge here. I'm going to be backing USA for, as a, you know, just a fun entertainment style bet. But BJ, you actually do see a an edge on, on the Yanks and are, are getting down on them. Yeah, I, I think the price is pretty good here for the United States. So, you know, obviously the United States has won three straight matches over Mexico, but Obviously, they were all played in the United States. And this is the first time that the national team is heading to Estadio Azteca since 2017 World Cup qualifying. So to say that this Mexican national team and their fans are ready for revenge, I think would be an understatement because this has become one of the most heated rivalries in international soccer. Uh, You know, the United States metrics have been really improving, especially defensively. Seven of the United States' last eight World Cup qualifying matches, they've held Opponents under one expected goal, including that two win against Mexico back in November, which was a pretty dominant performance. I know Anthony said Mexico had some chances early on, but United States outshot them 18 to eight expected goals was uh, 2.2 to 0.7. And most importantly, what really worked is the United States pressing their passes per defensive action was 8.5. With that being said, like Anthony, you know, Anthony already mentioned Weston, Kenny, Brandon Aronson, and uh, it looks like Dester also is out for this match, which is a blow to the United States. However, Gio Reyna is back, which provides the U.S. with another outstanding attacking option to go along with Pulisic, Ricardo Pepe, Timothy Weah, uh, and Musa. They need to really attack the weakness of this Mexican defense. Both their center backs play in Liga MX outside of Nestor Arehu, who plays for 
Celta Vigo in La Liga is having a really, really poor season for them. The thing with the Mexican defense is against U.S. and Canada in the three matches they faced them, 4.9 expected goals. In the eight matches against everybody else uh, in CONCACAF hexagonal, 5.5 expected goals allowed. So uh, their defense really has struggled uh, against the top teams in, in CONCACAF. So I have Mexico projected at plus 146. Uh, so getting U.S. Uh, plus half a goal at minus 110, I, I believe, has a little bit of value. So uh, go, go, USA. Yeah, the market's moved a little bit towards the uh, Mexicans in the last couple of days. I know it was plus 105, plus 110 uh, when I looked at it on Friday. Uh, and I think a lot of that is the injury news. I think you're just seeing that McKenney got the better of Edson Alvarez. That's the uh, the Ajax midfielder who plays for Mexico. Got the better of him in, in a lot of those duels. And, and you mentioned the pressing, same with Aronson. Those two are excellent pressers, excellent at winning the ball and then breaking in the midfield. And I just, I don't really trust the reserves. And I know Tyler Adams should be there. And he's pretty good. And, and Eunice Musa is very good with ball retention and could be a big part of this as well. But I just think they lose a lot in defensive pressing ability when they lose Aronson and McKinney. All right. So a 10 p.m. kickoff on Thursday, USA and Mexico. Before that match, though, there are a bunch of UEFA games, and these are going to be hilarious in a number of different ways. Uh, we'll start with Portugal. They're minus 250 at home hosting Turkey, 7-1 on the money line. The draw here is plus 390. This is a 3.45 p.m. kickoff Eastern time on Thursday at Estadio Drago in Porto, Portugal. I was high on Turkey going into the Euros. I thought that their defense would be able to keep them in games, turn things into coin flips, and, and maybe they'd be able to pull one over. And they had uh, a couple of good uh, attacking options, Barack Yomaz and company. Like They were a disaster in at the Euros. 0-3, one goal four, eight goals against. Uh, and I don't want to go back to them. I think Portugal here minus one and a half plus one ten has some value because the attacking options for Portugal are, are are still there. They're still good, and I think you're getting a little bit of a discount on a team just because they are in this playoff, right? Like they lost to Serbia. Now it's going to be a showdown potentially between them and Italy, and you're going to be able to buy low on them. And plus, our man Jose Sa will be in goal for the Portuguese. It looks like, and and he is. Uh, He's been one of the best goalies in, in Europe this season. So uh, I think, look, I know, Anthony, you disagree with me. You're going to the to the Turks here, but God, I'm I'm taking a chance on Portugal here, and I'm, I'm likely going to use them as a piece in a parlay with with another team coming up. Yeah, you know, I'm on Turkey. I'm, I'm back, baby. You know, uh, we all famously had Turkey in that first Euros game against Italy. We had him. I think we all had him plus one, or, or I think Mike, I know Michael had the money line. Uh, that was an embarrassment. I thought I was going to lose every single bet in the Euros after that game. Uh, I, I was questioning everything I've ever believed in sports betting after that game. Uh, and I think Italy exposed some serious issues with Turkey, which is that their midfield kind of stinks. I don't know that Portugal is the team to really expose that. Uh, I'm very skeptical of this Portugal midfield. I, I just don't really know what their ball progression plan is. And they don't really have, they've never really shown one uh, in, in their, in their time under uh, friend, friend under Santos. So I don't know what we're going to get here. And there's a lot of injuries for Portugal that I'm very concerned about. Joao Cancelo is out. He's suspended. Ruben Diaz is out. Pepe has COVID. So who's the, who's playing center back? I mean, we're going to, you know, 49 year old Jose font is going to be in the fold at center back. Uh, and that's kind of concerning going through a lot of makeshift pieces in, and defensively. Uh, and we don't know if Jose Sa is going to start. I wouldn't be shocked 
if Santos just says, Rui's our guy, he's our one, we're sticking by him, even though he's clearly worse. So I, the managerial decision, I don't trust the manager. I don't think they have ever really established a clear plan on how to progress the ball through the midfield. And we see that in Bruno Fernandes. I mean, the story, one of the underlying stories of the Euros was Bruno Fernandes had this great year at Man United, and then he went to the Euros and was awful and was, couldn't barely get in the team, and then he was getting subbed off. I think a lot of that was because they, they just didn't get him the ball enough. They couldn't get the ball. It took them an hour to get the ball from the defensive line to the forward line. Uh, and that doesn't really make a lot of sense when you look at the talent. But again, the, the performances also aren't great. You look across the board. They are the 12th best defense in World Cup qualifying uh, in, in Europe. That's pretty concerning when you consider that it'd be a defensive first team. And they have didn't play in a hard group. I mean, Serbia is not a World Cup power. I mean, they're not usually in the World Cup. They had... Ireland in their group. I mean, it was a very weak group and they still had a lot of struggles. Even the Ireland wins came late. Uh, They needed some late goals from Ronaldo to get by them. So I I just don't really love this Portugal team and their ability to get margin. I took Turkey plus one and a half minus 120, like up to minus 130. I think the Turks are going to hang around here and make this a really competitive game. And I think their midfield won't get exposed and kind of ripped up like they did at the Euros, I think you, you kind of have to hit the reset button a little bit after that last summer debacle. In betting, there's a couple best practices over the long term. Like you're you're looking at predictive metrics, and that should tell you: look, does Portugal beat Turkey uh, as many times as the odds suggest they do? The answer is probably not. But this is an outlier game, right? This is a win and you're in situation in the World Cup uh, in World Cup qualifying, and it's Cristiano Ronaldo, and it's, like I said, it's Bruno Fernandes, and I, it's almost like when people talk about betting the Super Bowl, like you, you need to kind of sometimes just step away from that, um, thinking as like a long term better in certain instances. And I think that this is this, these kind of matches are them. They're outliers. And I just trust Portugal and their stars and Ronaldo and his ability just to will teams like it's 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 a thing. Ronaldo is able to will teams to win um, in in split seconds. So I don't have a an issue backing Portugal at, at an expensive price here. BJ, anything for you, Portugal, Turkey, or are you on the sidelines? Yeah, I'm on the sidelines. If anything, I would probably play Portugal. Uh, so the, the defense, Anthony, is going to be Fonte and Jalo, who play together at Lille. So not really that big of a problem against a team like Turkey, but we'll talk about it next week when they have to play a team with Italy, like Italy, who has some pace going forward. That's probably going to be a problem. Uh, I mean, it's a little concerning with Portugal, the, their last two results, the drawing with Ireland and losing to Serbia. Uh, you know, it's, it's just tough. Like, I, this is why I'm passing is because I don't really know. I mean, there was a match where Turkey did try to switch to a 4-2-3-1 to provide some more creativity going forward. But if they're just going to play a 4-1-4-1 with Yilmaz on an island, uh, he is not the type of striker that you can just put on an island and say, hey, uh, control the ball for 20 seconds while we try to get up the pitch. Uh, and then we can provide something going to the box. He's just not that guy at age 36. He needs people to be supplying, supplying him the ball in the box, you know, get winning the ball in the air, uh, which could happen in this one with no Diaz and no Pepe uh, there to defend him in the air. But for Turkey, you know, if you look at through their world cup qualifying matches before the euros, uh, they're actually pretty impressive. You know, they beat the Netherlands at home. Uh, are they, yeah, they beat the Netherlands at home and Norway on the road. Uh, but then after the Euros, uh, they lost 6-1 to the Netherlands, and then they beat you know, Montenegro, Latvia, and Gibraltar twice. So that tells me that if they have to play anybody who has any type of pace or ability going forward, 
they're screwed, which is what we saw at the Euros. So if I played anything, it would probably be Portugal minus one and a half, but I have Portugal at minus 227 and the over under at uh, around 2.6. So not much value for me on this one. I'll probably look into some other uh, Euro qualifiers. The team that Portugal would have to play if they win would be Italy. Most likely they're minus 525 taking on North Macedonia, 13 to one on the money line to draw here plus 650. This is interesting because people are treating Italy like two different teams, right? Like you had the Italy that was terrific during the Euros and then also the Italy that is now here fighting for their lives in World Cup qualifying that also didn't qualify for the World Cup in Russia uh, for the first time. I think it's 60 years they missed out. So this could be back-to-back World Cups that Italy is on the sidelines for. That would be just unprecedented. Similar to what I was talking about with Portugal, that you, I think I'm betting on the Italy of the Euros to show up here because the stakes are could it be higher and i like the, the matchup obviously is, is terrific for them against north macedonia team that struggled to keep um the ball out of the back of the net in the euros and yeah great story we had a lot of fun talking about them over the summer but i think italy is able to win this one comfortably so i'm going to wrap them and portugal together both minus one and a half uh, on a parlay plus 230 that would pay out so that's where i'm going here anthony you have a little bit of faith here in the North Macedonians. Just a tiny bit. Uh, you mentioned it, right? I mean, this Italy, def- which is the real Italy. And I think it's somewhere in the middle, of course, but the Italy at the Euros got away with defensive mistakes that didn't get punished. I thought when you go back and look at some of those games, specifically the Spain match, even the Austria match, uh, you know, we were not that far away in the round of 16 from Austria being one nil up late in that game and the guy was off by a toenail. Um, so it's not crazy to think that this Italy defense has regression coming. And I, I do believe that this Italy defense does have regression coming, but new team Chiellini have been in and out of the lineup. Uh, they've been da- battling injuries. Uh, they're, they're not a very deep defensively. And uh, for that reason, I think you can maybe take a flyer on North Macedonia team total over a half at plus plus one forty-five, especially if Italy does Win as I'm expecting, North Macedonia kind of goes for it and doesn't really have a lot to lose here. So they they could, you know, cause some damage and, and really just you know throw throw balls to the wall and see what see what works. Uh, and they don't have anything to lose, so the game could get pretty open. Although you know we're probably expecting Italy to keep it very tight and very controlled as they usually do. That being said, it doesn't take much. So I wouldn't hate a team total over a half. But that's pretty much the only look here. No interest in backing Italy on the on the spread and and not taking the plus either on North Macedonia because I think they could get overrun defensively. Yeah, it's going to be really interesting to see how these two games shake out, and then obviously the opening lines if, if we do get that Portugal Italy showdown, uh, which is just a heavyweight battle for a playoff spot in the World Cup. Crazy. Uh, all right, we'll move on. Sweden and Czech Republic. The Swedes they're plus one hundred five at home, hosting the Czechs three to one on the money line. The draw is plus two twenty five. BJ, uh, you you were enamored with this Czech team during the Euros, uh, and I have a feeling you're going to stick with them despite some injury issues. I was, and they should have made the semis. They should have beat Denmark, but that's besides the point. Uh, I'll be On honest. What planet? Through, what? Denmark was up 2-0 in like 10 minutes in that game. Yeah, the expected goals was 1.2 to 1.2. It ended up being exactly even. Because they were up 2-0 in 10 minutes. So? It was the Denmark truck. Beautiful set piece for the first goal. Beautiful cross for the second goal. Whatever. Um, 
anyway, uh, I think this line right here is a tad too high for Sweden, but at the same token, I went through and I did all my prep and uh, I found out that Patrick Schick was out, which was very sad to hear, along with uh, Sioux Fall, which just changes pretty much everything for Czech Republic because he is really their only threat going forward in attack. Uh, but, you know, the Sweden team, it's interesting. You know, they won the group with Spain, Poland, and Slovakia at the Euros with a minus 1.4 expected goal differential. A lot of that obviously came in that first match against Spain, if you remember, where they basically sat incredibly deep just for all 90 minutes and just survived and well, a Spain onslaught. Um, but they did play in one of the easier World Cup qualifying groups, funny enough, with Spain, and but also with Greece, Georgia, and Kosovo. Uh, the two matches against Spain did not go very well, even though they won one of them. Final XG aggregate was 1.6 to 3.1. But, you know, even against the other three teams in the group, they allowed over one expected goal in all six matches. So still not that great of a defensive team. Obviously, they have talent, Ishak, Forsberg, and uh, Kulisevsky. Uh, but the Czechs, I mean, at the Euros, really, really good performances. And then they carried that over into World Cup qualifying uh, in a group with Belgium and Wales. They finished with a plus seven expected goal differential. But like I said, you know, with no Patrick Schick missing and missing, you know, with no Patrick Schick in this match, it's really tough for me to get behind the checks. But, you know, if uh, their plus half a goal line gets to even money or plus money, I may have to end up uh, uh, playing them because I do have this match projected pretty much right as right out of pick them. Uh, but again, uh, with no Schick, it's just it's, it's too tough for me to play the checks. And the winner of this one will play Poland, who got a walkover because Russia has been booted from the competition. An interesting situation there with the the rest for for Poland. Uh, I'm sure that I think they're playing a friendly against someone on Thursday, uh, just as like a warm up. But we'll keep an eye on that one for next week. Wales uh, and Austria are the other match on Thursday. Wales plus 185 at home. Austria is plus 180. The draw here is plus 205. This is another situation, like I was talking about before, where I think you're talking about an outlier situation. Wales at home, the Cardiff City Stadium is just going to be rocking. And I'm actually willing to bet into that atmosphere a little bit here. Gareth Bale, I was monitoring his situation all day before this podcast. It does look like he's going to be in. So this bet is kind of contingent on him and Ramsey both uh, getting the go ahead, but it looks like they both will. I think Wales has enough talent to pull the minor upset here, plus 185 at home. I don't hate the number. It's going to be the team that I want to be on when watching. That stadium's going to be electric. And this team punches up well. I think we were all doubting them going into this Euro because people were talking about, um, you know, their price was probably inflated from their performance in, at Euro 2016 and the story there. But they've shown the ability to, to punch up against better competition. They've earned a draw against Belgium. They drew against the Czech Republic. They had a good showing at the Euros before running into uh, the Danes in the knockout round, but they hung with Italy. Like this is a team that can hang with superior opposition, which Austria is, but with it being at home for Wales, I like the number plus 185. I'm expecting it to tick up too, because I have a feeling that uh, a lot of folks like you two guys are going to be on the Austrians on the road. BJ. Yeah, I'm kind of sour on this uh, Welsh team. You know, at the Euros, they obviously they did make the round of 16, but they finished the group stage with around a minus two expected goal differential. Outside of their win against Turkey, which was very dominant, uh, they struggled uh, in their matches against Italy and Switzerland and Denmark. And even World Cup qualifying, they were in a pretty difficult group with the Czech Republic and Belgium, also Belarus and Estonia. The matches against Belarus and Estonia, they were pretty dominant. 
uh, over a plus four expected goal differential in four matches, but the matches against Belgium and Czech Republic around a minus one and a half expected goal differential failed to hold over 50% possession in those matches. And that is key in this one because Wales, the last few World Cup qualifying matches, and even in the Euros as well, is they like to just sit in a 4-4-2, two low blocks, and just see this, try to see try to see if they can hit him on the counter with Gareth Bale and Aaron Ramsey. Uh, but I have major, major question marks at who they're going to play at center back. I mean, are they going to play Joe Rodon, who has barely played for Tottenham this year? Chris Mepham, who plays for Bournemouth. Are they going to slot Ben Davies in there uh, to play center back? Uh, I guess Nico Williams is back, so that obviously helps out the Welsh team, but they really shouldn't be a pick them against how against a really, really good Austria team that has much more talent and better underlying metrics than them. I mean, Austria in the world, uh, in their world cup qualifying group, they were in a kind of a difficult group with Denmark and Scotland and Israel, who is, is starting to come up. They were highly underrated in that group. They had a plus two actual world differential, but a plus 7.8 expected goal differential. I mean, even at the euros, they really only had one bad performance. It was just against the Netherlands, but they dominated North Macedonia they beat Ukraine in that weird uh, match that, you know, both teams were supposedly trying to draw. And then they, like Anthony already mentioned, they took Italy to extra time and you could make the argument that that game was actually pretty even for most of the match. But again, it, it defensively, Austria just has so much more talent than Wales, you know, David Alaba, Sabitzer, Limer, Schlager's back from injury. It's, it's a really, it's a midfield that can really dominate uh, anything that Wales is going to throw at them. Uh, and, uh, you know, Austria also has, a couple scoring threats with Arnautovic and, and Klasovic. So um, I have Austria projected at plus 126. I, I really don't think this match should be right at a pick them. So I love their uh, draw no bet line at minus 115. Yeah, I, re- I really do think this number is going to tick up. So I, that's why I'm pretty happy to bet Wales. I think we might see him over two to one on the three-way money line. Um, and just another thing I want to mention, like this team with the, the Welsh, they, they do have an ability to, to just hang around and get results. Only two defeats in their last 12. When you're betting international soccer, I think the, the data is just so noisy. So I'm not too concerned about teams with with you know terrible expected goal differentials or numbers um, because of the way that the schedule is. Right, you're playing two games here, then you're playing. Everyone goes home to play for their club teams, and then you're playing a friendly, and everything just gets so convoluted. So that's why I I'm I'm always happy to kind of just draw a line through that stuff uh, for these kind of matches, and and why I think I'm just going to ride with with the home crowd here in Cardiff. Um, Anthony, tell me why I'm wrong. Yeah, I think from a tactical point of view, this game is really interesting because Austria has a lot of guys in the midfield who are excellent at pressing. They call Schlager the pressing monster. Uh, Limer in his time in the Bundesliga as well, an excellent presser. And, and Sabitzer is from the Leipzig tree. And they have a lot of guys who work really hard to win the ball back. And I think that's a mismatch against Wales because we saw at the Euros, you know, when Turkey let Wales just kind of have the ball and didn't contest midfield and let Gareth Bale be Gareth Bale at his advanced age and let him be the creative playmaker that he is without having to do the running, it got really ugly for, for Turkey. And Wales were excellent going forward. But when they played Denmark, who had a pressing system in place to win the ball off Wales, same with Italy, and then even Switzerland to a lesser extent, but Switzerland still dominated that game. We saw that Wales, when, when they're not able to just get Bale or Ramsey on the ball and get them time, they're not good. They stink. And I think that's the concern here. Uh, Wales will have an aerial advantage in the box. I think they can be dangerous on set pieces. But if we're deciding who the more likely winner is, I think it's clearly Austria based on 
the fact that they're going to contest the midfield. They're going to win the ball a lot high up the pitch against Wales. Who's trying who, if they try to play out from the back and Austria's attacking group, a little underrated. Uh, Sasha Kozlaitis is back uh, for Stuttgart scoring goals. He was out injured for a lot of the first half of the season. He's made a big difference for them. And I think he's a, a pretty good aerial presence for Austria. He of course scored the goal against Italy in the euros as well. Uh, and uh, our guy, Arnautovic, who, uh, is a little underrated, I think, generally. Uh, has, has had a decent season at Bologna uh, and has recently found some goals himself. So I think the the, the squad town is, is considerably different. I understand they're on the road. I understand. Uh, I would I would love to see a Scotland-Wales World Cup playoff. I think that would be incredibly fun. Uh, I just don't think we're going to get it, unfortunately. Yes, yeah, Scotland and uh, Ukraine will be playing for a couple of months, obviously, with the situation in Ukraine. Um, all right. Uh, from there, let's do a quick whip around from uh, the other continents and their qualifying. We'll go back to CONCACAF where you guys can give your best bets there. BJ, you like the true north. Yeah, I love the Canadian Strano bet at minus 140 on the road at Costa Rica. So Canada's on the doorstep of the World Cup. It's pretty simple. They win this match against Costa Rica. They've qualified for the World Cup. And I think they're severely underpriced against a very, very overrated Costa Rica squad. I mean, Canada, without a doubt, to me, has been the best team in CONCACAF World Cup qualifying. You know, with three matches to go, Canada has a plus 5.5 expected goal differential with a defense that's allowing under one expected goal per match. You know, their defense in their first two World Cup qualifying matches against Honduras and the United States was a little shaky, you know, three around three and a half expected goals allowed in those two matches. But their last nine, only 7.4 expected goals allowed, and only one opponent has created over one expected goal. So they've really put the locks down. Costa Rica through 11 qualifying matches, plus one actual goal differential around a minus 4.5 expected goal differential. But what's been crazy is the overperformance of their defense. Seven actual goals allowed off of 15.5 expected goals, which is just insane. Even their last three World Cup qualifying matches, uh, the last round, they kept three clean sheets uh, against Panama, Mexico, and Jamaica, but allowed 4.4 expected goals. And there really, honestly, isn't much talent to speak of on the Costa Rica roster outside of Kaylor Navas in goal. They certainly don't have the talent to match up with guys like Jonathan David uh, and Kyle Lawrence. So uh, I think the Canadians are severely underpriced here on the road against an overrated Costa Rican team. So I love them drawing a bet uh, at minus 140. Anthony. Yeah. We talk about overrated teams, uh, Panama. I mean, I don't know how they have the numbers that they do. I don't know how they're even in contention here. When you look at the underlying numbers, the expected goals, incredibly concerning. The, and and it's scary as a U.S. fan because, you know, it wouldn't take a ton for Panama to win this game at home against Honduras, get a result, uh, and then all of a sudden the U.S. is going to Costa Rica, a place they have not done well historically, and they need a result, which would be scary. But Panama, when you look at their numbers, not very impressive. And I understand Honduras has only scored five goals in World Cup qualifying, uh, but if you look at their underlying numbers, the XG suggests that should be considerably higher. They're about nine and a half uh per one source. And the, the thing with these concave games too, is that it's harder to get the XG data that's consistent. So there are differing numbers on uh, XG for Honduras, but all of them say the same thing, which is that Honduras has been pretty unlucky in front of goal and they should have more goals than they should. And, and Panama, the regression indicators are the opposite in the sense that they have not had an impressive campaign thus far. So I'm grabbing Honduras team total over a half at minus minus one ten. It's probably the most painful bet on the board sitting here for 90 minutes with a team who's already eliminated and who knows if they're going to care. Hopefully they do. Uh, and they show up and they spoil the party for Panama and get a, a, a goal and maybe even a result. 
but I do think that they're undervalued to score. All right, let's quickly move through Africa then. Uh, BJ, you're looking at Morocco? Yeah, I, I, this line is way, way too low on Morocco, who in my opinion was the second best team at Africa Cup of Nations behind Senegal, plus 8.3 expected goal to French on only five matches. And even in World Cup qualifying, they all scored their opponents 20 to one. <laughs> this is a really, really good offense that can be really deadly in front of the net. You know, and Nasiri, who plays for Sevilla, uh, Soufal, who plays for Angers, Barcock, who plays for Frankfurt's maybe the best right back in the world in terms of supplying the attack in Atra Fakimu, plays for PSG. And then two really, really good center backs in Aguirre, who plays for Rennes, and Ramon Saiz, who plays for Wolves. But what's more, most impressive about Morocco is during the Africa Cup of Nations, they were an incredible pressing team. 7.5 passes per defensive action, 38 high turnovers in only five matches. They're playing the Democratic Republic of Congo, who made it through World Cup qualifying, winning their group by one point over Benin in Group J, but they were incredibly lucky to do so. Plus six actual goal differential, but overall had a negative uh, expected goal differential uh, for the entire qualification. In fact, they didn't even qualify for the Africa Cup of Nations. Uh, they finished behind Gambia and Gabon in their qualification group. So uh, they have a few names you might recognize. You know, Chancel Mbembo plays for Porto. Arthur Masuaka, who plays for West Ham, Wisa, Brentford, uh, Bakambu, who plays for Marseille. However, with this team drastically overperforming a World Cup qualifying, coupled with the fact that they haven't played a competitive match together since last November, while Morocco just got to play five matches at the Africa Cup of Nations and has some cohesion together, this is a fantastic spot for Morocco to get a huge advantage in the first leg. So I have them projected around minus 185. Their money line's at plus 135, so I love uh, the value on the Moroccans to get to, to win this first, uh, first leg. And uh, Anthony, you're going a little South uh, into West Africa on Senegal. Yeah. The BJ just said it, you know, the second best team has been Morocco. Well, who's been the best team Senegalese. They just won the African cup of nations beating Egypt in the final. They should have won that game in regulation. They should have won that game maybe by two goals. I know BJ is uh, BJ and I Egypt both had so Senegal. Lucky. Yeah. Egypt. The Egypt luck box uh, defense just rolled through the knockout stage of that tournament, just with the horseshoes up their asses. I mean, it was incredible. Uh, and Senegal has created the second most expected goals in all of Africa. Egypt just eighth best. And uh, Egypt's also considerably worse defensively and has regression coming. Uh, Senegal will probably take the draw away from home. So I would try, I'm going to go with the draw no bet plus 105. But if there's a likely winner, it's going to be Senegal. So I think uh, plus 105, I'm rolling with the Senegalese to uh, outclass their friends. And we get a little Mane Sala battle again. All right, real quick, I'll let you guys go through Comable in South America. BJ, you're looking at Brazil and Chile. Yeah, Brazil, Chile under two and a half at minus 110. So Brazil's already qualified for the World Cup and really has nothing to play for in this match. But if you look at their uh, team selection, it's actually a pretty strong squad with all of their regular starters uh, been selected for these two matches. And since, since that is the case, I mean, I, I think this one has low events written all over Brazil's defense. I mean, we obviously the headlines with uh, Neymar and all of their wonderful attacking players, uh, you know, dominates uh, what people see, but only 0.83 expected goals allowed per match throughout world cup uh, qualifying and Copa America. They faced Chile twice over that time frame. beat them one, nothing on both occasions, held Chile under one expected goal in both those matches, I mean, the ability of the Brazilian national team to just control possession and shut matches down has been really impressive over the past two years. Uh, only twice during World Cup qualification did they allow their opponents to control over 50% possession, and only three times their opponents got over, 
over more than 10 shots. So uh, Chile's in desperation mode. They're betraying Peru by four points for the final uh, spot in the table, which would advance them to a World Cup playoff. Uh, But their defense has actually been improving. Uh, Last eight matches, only 1.19 expected goals allowed per match when before that it was around 1.6. So uh, the problem, though, is with Chile, they don't really have much threats going, many threats going forward. Alexis Sanchez is just way past his prime. Same thing with Vidal. So uh, since this match doesn't mean much to Brazil, I think if they get ahead, they're just going to shut it down. So I only have 2.1 goals projected. So uh, I like the price of under two and a half goals at minus 110. Anthony, looking at Luis Suarez. Yeah, I mean, what's going on with Uruguay? Uh, they have the third best expected goals for in South America, this qualifying cycle, but they're only scoring about the six most goals. Uh, they've only scored 1.15 goals per 90, yet their expected goals suggest that should be about 1.5 per 90, which shows me they're due for a lot of positive regression here. And they're just not taking any chances. They hit the post like eight times uh, in their last game. It's been remarkable seeing them miss chance after chance. Uh, as Every time I check in on this team, they're, they're creating chances and not scoring, and they get a really good home ha- smash spot in a must-win situation. Uh, and I think they're playing their last two games against Peru and Chile, who are two teams below them in the table. They only need one win to get through here pretty much. And that is never going to be a better spot than this home game um, against Peru. So I'm going with them and I think they're going to have to go for this at home. So uh, also one quick thing could be a good buy low spot on Paraguay at home, overrated Ecuador team, Paraguay underperformed considerably their underlying numbers and their expectations. I mean, they're more talented than being the worst team in this, in this division. So uh, the only concern they may have quit, you know, they just might be done. So uh but otherwise, yeah, I like our Uruguay team total over one and a half at plus 105. All right, before we get to our best bets, uh, BJ, you have a pick for us out of Asia. Yeah, uh, Iraq uh, versus the United Arab Emirates. I mean, Iraq can still qualify for the fourth place spot uh, in Group B or Group A, but they need to win their last two matches. They're playing United Arab Emirates. Uh, and they need also uh, UAE to drop points against South Korea in the final match, which is possible. Iraq has drastically underperformed in World Cup qualification, minus seven actual goal differential, but only a minus 1.9 expected goal differential. Even when they faced UAE earlier uh, in qualification, they drew 2-2 on the road, but won the expected goals battle 1.9 to 1.2. And UAE is just a very, very highly overrated team. They really don't deserve to be sitting in third place in the group. If you look at their actual results compared to their expected results, they've actually lost the expected goals battle in their last six uh, qualifying matches. So I think they're due for a lot of uh, negative regression. I have Iraq projected at plus 105 at home. So uh, draw no bet at minus 125. I think it's some good value. All right. Uh, we'll move on to our favorite bets for the World Cup qualifiers coming our way this week. Anthony, uh, we'll let you kick it off because you are the villain. My fellow Americans, I'm very sorry, but I'm backing Mexico on the money line at minus 110. I understand the U.S. has beaten Mexico the last three times they played them. They beat them in the Gold Cup final. They were very fortunate to win that game. Matt Turner stood on his head. They beat them in the CONCACAF Nations League, and they beat them in World Cup qualifying in November. But all three of those games were on U.S. soil. Now they're going on the road, and they're very shorthanded in the most important areas of the pitch. They won't have Brendan Aronson. They won't have Weston McKinney. They will not have Matt Turner. Their defense is due for a ton of negative regression when you compare their expected goals allowed to their actual goals allowed. Uh, all those reasons, I think they're not going to be able to press Mexico as effectively as they did in the last game, which I thought was the best U.S. performance in years. I just don't think they're going to be able to recreate that. Mexico has triple revenge on their minds, and they're at home at elevation. 
I like the Mexicans to win and hopefully the U S can win against Panama next week and secure their spot in the world cup. I like Wales. They're plus 185 on the three-way money line hosting Austria on Thursday in uh, UEFA qualifying. The Welsh have been defeated just twice in their last 12 matches, and they've proven to be a team that can punch up well. And I think when you talk about World Cup qualifiers, you're talking about international matches. A lot of times you just can cross out a lot of the data. Is Austria the better team on paper? Yes. But the Welsh should have a significant home field advantage at a Cardiff City Stadium that should be rocking as they look to qualify against the odds for the World Cup uh, in 2022. So I'm just going to roll with my heart here. Give me Gareth Bale, very handsome Aaron Ramsey, and the Welsh to pull the minor upset against Austria at home. BJ, what about you? I'm going Morocco, plus 135 against the Democratic Republic of Congo. Morocco was by far the second best team in Africa Cup of Nations behind Senegal, plus 8.3 expected goal differential in five matches. And more importantly, in World Cup qualifying, they outscored their opponents 20 to 1. It's a really, really talented squad, but the was more impressive in Africa Cup of Nations was their pressing. Their passes per defensive action was 7.5, which was the best of anybody in the competition. And they also created 38 high turnovers. The Democratic Republic of Congo barely, barely scraped by uh, their group, the World Cup qualification group. They won by one point over Benin. They had a plus six actual goal differential, but they're expected actually had a negative expected goal differential. And more importantly, the Democratic Republic of Congo hasn't played a competitive match since November 14th because they didn't qualify for the Africa Cup of Nations, while Morocco got to play five matches in January and February and will be the more fresh and more cohesive squad in this match. I have them projected around minus 185. So I think they're severely underpriced here on the road. So give me the Moroccans at plus 135. All right, everybody. We thank you for listening to another episode of Wonder Goal. We'll see you on the other side of the weekend. And hopefully uh, we'll be talking about a few more World Cup qualifiers before we get back to the club competition. For BJ Cunningham and Dick Dubondo and Michael Lee Buff, wishing you the best of luck with your bets this week.